Hello everyone, this is George Mapp with the Carolina Tar Wheels. At last week's Tar Wheels meeting, our speaker was Kim Bailey, and her subject was cyclocross racing. It's a popular sport in Europe. They've held world championships in Europe every year since 1950. Only one year, 2013, was it held outside Europe, and, and then it was held in Louisville, Kentucky, and Kim was there and is going to tell us all about it. The name cyclocross comes from cross country, but today the races are held outdoors and at racetracks, and instead of oval-shaped tracks, they're curvy, and the surfaces can be paved or unpaved, and the unpaved parts can be grass, dirt, sand, snow, ice, so there's a lot of slipping and sliding and falling. There are natural obstacles like hills and big mud holes, and there are man-made obstacles like hurdles and stairs and big ramps called flyovers. As you might imagine, this is very hard on bikes, and typically a rider will have two bikes, and like in a NASCAR race, they can pull over and swap their bikes so while they're riding a clean bike, the crew is cleaning and repairing and, in some cases, swapping out wheels on their second bike. Kim has participated in the sport as a racer and as a mechanic. So she's been a member of a pit crew, and she was in a pit crew for the Masters series of races. The racetrack was in the middle of Louisville in a park, and it was in an area subject to flooding, and that presented a lot of problems to the promoters of the event. So now let's hear from Kim Bailey. So um, before I sort of ramp things up, um, we have a bunch of information if you're interested in any of the mechanical side, gear. I was going to bring bikes and a few other things tonight, but I had a kidney stone last night, so it's been sort of... <laughs> And I, as, so as soon as I'm done with this, I'm home, and then I'll take my meds, so we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's on the podcast, so it'll be fun. But um, we uh, learned a lot. I got to work with a lot of really great people in preparation for the 2013 UCI Masters Worlds and the World Championships. So that included um, actually uh, pitting for a bunch of my buddies, because they were just fitter than I was, <laughs> and... Uh, also attending um, as a VIP um, the World Championships. We had amazing access. So uh, I actually went through this presentation with a friend today, and we finished at one hour and 15 minutes. So I cut this in half. I'm going to focus just on the uh, men's and women's championship race. Uh, there are a few, a few fun things I want to talk about um, just uh, as far as how to actually keep warm uh, uh, during the pits and how to move some equipment around, and then I'll jump into the presentation um, a lot of us get cold feet um, when we're out on our bikes, and one of the things that I learned from a friend who's a hunter and a cyclist was if you just get the cheap felt insoles at Dick's Sporting Goods in the hunting department, stick them in your uh, cycling shoes, your feet will be really warm. So he told me this with great uh, pleasure since I had my 300 and whatever dollar CDs and a couple other winter shoes, and they work like a charm. <laughs> So I was like, dude, I need to go stand in six to eight uh, inches of water and probably 
anything between 10 degrees and 30 degrees for hours at a time, what do I do? So he hooked me up um, with some felt insoles and some regular boots. And we were also using pressure washers to um, clean the bikes. So a friend of mine said, I need to make sure I can find you. I said, cool, I'll get some orange pants, right? (laughs) These pants have gotten around for a bit. So uh, you'll see from some of the pictures, um, I did throw a, a... few pictures in at the end of what it was like at the Masters, but um, the pictures of cross, uh, true cross, is what we call either squeaky mud or sucking mud, where the tires and literally you put your foot down and you think your shoe's coming off. (laughs) And then you have North Carolina cross, which is usually nice dry grass, and it's 90 degrees in uh, October, and then it gets... You know, you really do get the whole uh, transition as you get closer to December. So if anybody's interested in that, I'd love to talk to you about that as well. Um, You'll also see why everybody has to have two bikes. (laughs) One's your race bike, and you really want something. It doesn't, a lot of people, uh, especially master's racers, have a bike that's identical. But you need something with relatively the same geometry so you can swap off bikes if it's really muddy. Um, the requirement for anybody at UCI Worlds that I was pitting for was that you had six sets of wheels. Most of these folks had no trouble with that requirement. So you needed two sets of mud tires. You needed file treads in case it was icy. You needed one set of regular tires to warm up, warm down on. And then we had just sort of, depending on gearing options, we also had those set up. Um, It was pretty crazy. There is a lot of sharing once your race is over, so people were trying to help folks out. But um, let me just jump into sort of the antics of the the World Championship. So the U.S. having the UCI World Championship was of great concern to the Europeans. They were like, they're going to set the course up wrong, you know, from that to how do we get our equipment there? Because they're used to having three or four old guys with their own pressure washers and everything in the pit with all their equipment. So they literally got um, big shipping containers full of stuff and shipped it over. <laughs> so they came up with tractor trailers and they just dropped these, you know, fully working mechanic shops off at the side of the road near the park. So that's actually why I put this, is that the way the park was set up was actually right in the middle of Louisville. So you could go hit a bourbon bar, walk half a mile, and there was a course. It was fantastic. One of the problems, though, with the course was that it was very tight and very American because the Americans like to turn a lot. We have a lot of twisty turns, and um, what the Europeans are used to seeing is essentially a flat-out drag race and then into a technical section and then a flat-out drag race. So... Cyclocross is more like a crit in the dirt than it really is a time trial. Unless you're a Cat 4 woman, and then you're pretty much just riding around by yourself. So I usually try to get my buddies to hang out with me in the back of the pack. But um, So this course was under a lot of scrutiny. So even though um, they did a good job of setting things up, the Belgies came over a couple weeks early with their giant shipping container full of stuff. And uh, the kids were screwing around because it was completely dry. They were like, what are we going to do? This is going to be the worst world championship ever. 
So um, this is one of my favorite. I was actually on the other side of the park. This kid got, he was hopping over one of the fences, and he actually got stuck on it. Um, they were a pleasure to talk to. The racers aren't used to having the amount of enthusiasm that American fans have because usually only their fans like them. Meaning, if you're from the Netherlands, you don't talk to the guys from Belgium. And the Americans, they said, screamed for everybody. So they were already into that. So that was one of the first things. But um, this was seen as a huge issue. So they were... The week before Worlds, they were thinking about how do we change the course? How do we make it harder? <laughs> well, fortunately, Mother Nature said, you know, I'm going to help you out. <laughs> the Ohio River, let me go back to this, <laughs> is right on the outside of the course. Well, we started getting rain during Master's Week, and it just kept coming and coming in storms. So the first day of the Master's, I was standing in over a foot of water. So that's why I showed him my shoes. Was, I was one of the few people, I don't know how those boots work, but they did. So thank you, hunting guy, right? But um, so the guys racing that day, and it was mainly uh, men's masters. I can't remember. It was the younger guys. Could only wear a skin suit. They were getting so wet. And it was a, a balmy 24 to 30 degrees. So fortunately, it wasn't really cold yet. <laughs> and their bikes were getting cleaned, so it was okay. The next day, the ground had sucked up some of that mud. But this is at the other course where people are riding it. And the course is still wet, is still nice and dry in the world championship course. So they did something really cool. They had the master's course right next to the world championship course. Well... They thought, well, if things go really bad, we'll just bring the worlds over here. Unfortunately, the course was trashed. So the second day, it was like this giant sucking sound with the mud. So my friends had given me a really hard time about getting this um, messenger bag made, had to have it made in Hungary, <laughs> that carries four race wheels and a bunch of tools. So it's a full-on messenger bag. It's padded, comes with all these straps because it was a half a mile hike to the pit area. So you guys, I had this and a bike, and I couldn't put the bike down because the pressure washers were behind me. And the only time you could use the pressure washers in the pit was when they were racing. So I'm walking up to the pit. I've got a bike, this stuff. We weighed it. It was only like 78 pounds or something. <laughs> it was pretty heavy. Fortunately, there were a lot of flasks around that day. This guy comes running in the pit. He's like, I need some shoes. I need some shoes. And I'm like, yeah, I got everything but that. I thought I, I was going to be ready, right? His shoe had gotten sucked off from the mud. So we got him a bike with just regular pedals. The next day, everything was completely frozen. It was so, what I call squeaky, but it was so slippery that I couldn't stand in the pit without holding on to something. The racers couldn't ride their bikes. They, could, they had to just run. So they cut most of the world championship races the third day down to two laps only. Most people couldn't get it past the first half, half lap. 
So I have a bunch of pictures and stuff. I'll show you a few of that, but what a, we just had a blast. This one guy, his wheel, his wheel wouldn't move, and you're not allowed to support people outside the pit area. So I walked by, and I dropped a toothbrush, right? He's like, what's that? I'm like, dude, dig out. Take the tooth. He's like, oh, right? And I said, I'll meet you in the pit on the other side with a bike. He said, well, I don't have another bike. I'm like, just come into the pit, right? So I handed him a bike. I took his bike. I'm like, well, who's this down? He was like, whose bike is this? I'm like, who cares? It's a 50 centimeter. He had a 62 centimeter bike. (laughs) I weighed 13 and a half pounds. Merry Christmas. And he ran around and finished his half lap. He may have come in last, but I was so proud of him for finishing. It was awesome. Um, I don't know if that's legal. Uh, the UCI, and the, they were all over us. They were, the officials were all over us. Okay, so Friday afternoon, I was hanging out at the park, because what else do you do? And um, there was a bunch of, uh, the Belgies were running around. They were very upset, hands going up. And they decided, because the Ohio River was up 14 feet, to go ahead and have move the men's race to Saturday. U23 men's race, no women's, no juniors. Fortunately, they fixed that in like half an hour. <laughs> so they decided to run all four races together, back to back. So everybody's trying to get up in arms about no women's race, and I'm like, I don't think that's what it is. They're just trying to figure out the schedule. And the reason was <laughs> they didn't know how to hold back the Ohio River. They actually thought about holding the men's world championship race at 4 o'clock on Friday, and it was 2.30. They were going to do it. They said, screw it. We'll just go ahead and do it. So if you're wondering how I knew about this, Twitter, I had about, I think, 800 followers. I literally went to Louisville by myself. I left more at home. And I was just tweeting, hey, what are we doing now? And all these people I'd never met, I got to meet. So it was crazy. It was folks from Europe, etc. It was awesome. If we needed a cassette, whatever, we would just tweet and it would appear, right? So, um, so Twitter said, get over to the race park immediately, you know, Friday afternoon. So we were there during the deliberations and essentially the town of Louisville said, look, we're going to bring in the National Guard firefighters, everybody. We're going to go ahead and barricade this. And I'm like, how do you barricade the Ohio River? <laughs> right? I was just, I thought maybe the Eno, <laughs> but like, so um, this picture blows me away because I think this was at 14 feet. When I saw it, it was pretty bad. It was only at eight feet. So I, I just give my, my hat goes off to this. The reason this is so important is that the river, the course really is right next to the river. We had people almost sliding into the river when they were trying to spectate. So the women's race went off without a hitch as far as the logistics um, after the uh, junior race. The only problem was (laughs) it was 14 degrees. The course was frozen. The great thing is we had all this nice snow. So they were able, they had one race, and they were able to practice on it. So there were a few um, places that you could actually see where the line was. The problem was being able to actually navigate this line, right, was intense. 
This picture is very important because I'm going to show you one at the end. We're an hour after the men's race. This was underwater. It's completely underwater. The coolest thing, though, is that all the fans showed up for every race. The women were blown away. They're like, we've never had this many people at a world championship. The course, the park was absolutely beautiful. Um, you've heard a lot of the stuff that went on in Austin if you're a cross racer. If not, just Google it. Um, they were very concerned about the long-term damage to the park. Well, after a lot of this, I don't, I, you know, the park is pristine. So when you do race cross, you do lose grass. It does grow back. Um, the majority of the damage is actually not near the trees or whatever, but it's one of the things to be thinking about that the city of Louisville <laughs> essentially said, yeah, we're willing to take on this amount of damage, plus all the Ohio River stuff. This is uh, Marianne Vos, who for years racked up world championship after world championship. Um, I love this picture because this is essentially what she does. She goes to the front, she pushes it, and nobody ever catches her. Last couple of years, she's actually helped the majority of the folks in both the Netherlands and Belgium, a lot of the women racers, be able to catch her by sharing her information. And she really is that giving of a person. It just blows me away for a world champion to be that humble. Katie Compton was right on her heels. Um, this is going through the first barrier, so we're only two minutes into the race. So they're doing that 500-meter sprint. They're hitting a bunch of slick mud, and then they're essentially coming into a frozen set of barriers on flats. Everybody was shredded. We're two minutes into the race. We already know who's going to win. You could just see their heads dropping. This is part of the problem. You can see how dark this picture is. I love it. It's just, you know, it's looming at you. So you're freezing. Um, when you see the pictures of me when I race cross, I usually do it without gloves, right? You just need that sense of touch. It really is that. I mean, you never know. You need to feel that front wheel before you lose it. <laughs> it's hard to do with some really nice ski gloves on, but that day is pretty much what you wanted. The men later in the afternoon are going to be able to run this and carry their bikes. This is ice. It's complete ice. There's one person who's running this. She actually had to start from, you can't see what I'm pointing, at the bottom of the ramp and run up, and that's Marianne. See, so get some better pictures. The bigger problem, though, was coming back down the other side. It was complete ice. So when it's this icy, the kind of tires you're running are file treads. So they have teeny tiny nubs, and then they have some cornering, and that's it. You don't want big treads because the lugs essentially just slip, and you have even less of a contact patch. Can you use that tires? You can't. You can have, um, I should have brought my shoes. You can have a couple of cleats in the front, which help a lot as far as when you're running. Um, generally, these guys are so light. Usually 24 PSI is the correct racing cross tire pressure in general. Some of these guys are running 18. It looks like the tire's flat. Um, file treads are very hard to race in. <laughs> A lot of people didn't have them because they didn't think they'd need them. 
They had grass tires. UCI, yeah, so it was 33 millimeters this year. goes back and forth. The really good tires, like the FMBs from Francois, are actually undersized. American tires, like the Paneracer Cross ones, are actually oversized. So it all comes down to how many TPI threads per inch on the uh, sidewalls, so you get that nice soft cushion. You got those latex inner tubes. It, it feels good. Or if you have a stiffer sidewall, like Paneracer, you get the balloon tire. A lot of tires, I think most of the tires that people are racing in North Carolina cyclocross are 34 millimeters. Um, some are 38. It makes a huge difference, the wider the tire. I'm a total weirdo. I actually usually do 31 or 32s. And I like filed treads most of the time, even in the mud. Nobody knows why, but that's, they're usually ones I don't crash on. This is Vos coming around uh, one of the corners. It's one of my favorite pictures, though, is that um, even though it was muddy and everything, the crowds were just trying so hard, and we're all hanging on the banners and stuff. <laughs> so it was carnage. People kept sweating. You just had mud all over. I've never been to a race where the spectators couldn't even stand up. This was a telltale sign, though. I don't know if you can see the difference. I should have made this a little bigger, but Vos is perched on her bike. And Katie Compton is gripping her bike. She's muscling it. Katie just, you can't, when it's that icy, you have to just let your bike float. And that's the beauty of Marianne Voss. Her bike just floats. Everything she does is just very gentle. It was a really tight course with two run-ups plus barriers. And then they had a lot of off-camber stuff. The Europeans love the off-camber stuff. That's very American. And so they actually, they really appreciated the course. I decided that this patch of mud right before the river road, which was the pavement, was going to decide both races. So I squatted down under everybody and I started taking pictures. Little did I know, Vos comes by, I thought, okay, there's our world champion. There's nobody near her, right? I think she won by close to a minute. Katie Compton came in. Then there was another gap. So Caitlin and Amy are way off the back, and they're still going at it. They want to beat each other. They want, they've decided that even though Katie is the top American finisher, this is a grudge match. This is what I love about Amy and Caitlin. I was there like, screw it. So the teammates are going at it. The crowd is going crazy. They kept switching spots, so they were smart enough to work with each other, even though they really didn't want to do that. And then something happened, which blew my mind, because it happened right in front of me. Amy was winning. She had about a 20-foot gap on Caitlin. Her front wheel just went like that. It didn't, her bars barely moved and she was down. She fell on top of Caitlin. So these guys, they can't stand because it's all squeaky. Caitlin somehow, I think she put her foot on the snow and was able to get up and go. And that was the end of this, their rivalry. The really sad thing you can't see is the person on the right, um, is actually a Belgian passing Amy. She was able to mount her bike and ha within one step 
and chased that person down and beat her at the line. I was absolutely blown away. The Belgians all run, they ride together. They're a team. So I don't, Sven uh, Ness, Sven Nies, um, some people call him Nies. He prefers Ness. Um, essentially will tell you that if he's not riding well, he doesn't want to race. Well, you just saw eight guys cruise, at the six or eight guys, because they get the whole team cruised through there. I think this is the guy from Switzerland. Yep. <laughs> Only the Belgies rode that section and one Czech guy the last two laps. They all had a butt surf down. <laughs> so these are the best cross racers in the world. They loved it. After the race, they thought they were just cracking up. The flyover was very different. The first side of the flyover was steps. So what that meant was whoever built the thing didn't quite understand the concept. So they had the steep steps going up. There's a flat part. They made the ramp as steep as the steps. You would think this is easy, but usually what happens at a barrier or steps, especially in North Carolina, is you flat your front tire because you slam it right into the thing. And I'm laughing because, of course, I've done it. The start of the race for the men's race is everything. These teams know how to ride together. They know how to protect their guy who's out front. So usually in cross, you have 100 to 200 meters, and then there's a left. It's actually a hairpin turn. So you're coming off of the pavement, sprinting as hard as you can, and then you come into that squeaky, squishy mud on the hairpin. So you absolutely have to be there first. These guys are all trying to help each other out because the guys from the Netherlands and Belgium are gone. <laughs> They've already got these guys after 200 meters. <laughs> I was like, okay, race over. One guy from Czechoslovakia was included. It's not that our guys aren't as fit and they don't work as hard. I'm telling you, it's that whole roadie sprint thing, that experience in the pack that they don't have because they're not racing with 50 guys who are essentially at the same level every week the way the guys in Europe are. This is one of the um, pavement transitions I was talking about. So you've got mud all over your tires. It's very important when you get on the pavement because they're very short sections to clean your tires out of the lugs before you hit the corner. That's one of the reasons you'll see the guys kind of moving their tires around because that's, that's when they need those lugs or they're going to get wiped out. <laughs> a friend of mine who we won't talk about uh, in the Masters, this was his bike after half a lap. He came back, he gave me the bike. That's frozen mud, by the way. It froze while he was riding it. He said, I can't do it. I'm like, dude, another half lap, i got another bike for you, right? He's like, I know you're going to think less of me. The biggest thing we did in the pits was actually encourage people and just manage 
expectations because it really was that cold. I, he, he was blue in the face. We really needed to get him. Well, I got him a flask quick, but we needed to get him somewhere safe. Um, this was the first day. That was the last day. When I talk about, people are like, oh, yeah, foot of water. I was like, oh, yeah, foot of water. There was no way to get to the pit. I had to give this one girl a piggyback because she was a racer. She's like, my stuff's out there. I'm like, well, I'll give you a piggyback, and then you can ride your bike back because she had to go get her bike. Cross isn't as competitive as far as crits and stuff. I mean, those guys really need each other um, and then get to know each other. But um, I don't know. It's very cool. It's very cool. So that's my talk. I didn't give you guys any opportunity for questions, and I apologize for that. Um, but I am a talker. I think most people know that. So any questions? Hey, Sharon. Always in such bad weather. You hope so. <laughs> so does every course have a certain number of obstacles? That's the goal. In Europe, they have... Um, there's a couple that are... The courses around castles, so cool. And um, but here in North Carolina, one of the challenges we have we don't have any dedicated cross courses, and they're in parks, so you don't want to tear up the grass. Really hard to say. Okay, well we need like you know, fifty steps and a hill here, and then I have to take a left off of pavement and stuff. So you really just do the best you can. I think the organizers around here do an amazing job. All right, well, I'm going to shut things down. I really, you guys have been incredibly patient. I really appreciate it.